Welcome back to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah and Nick. Nick, how are we doing on this Thursday night? Oh, not too bad. I'm just chilling, watching some Thursday night football. I need Josh Jacobs to do well for me because I'm kind of fighting for a one seed in my fantasy league for next week when the playoffs start. So, need that. Um <clears throat> But other than that, I'm all right. Uh, you know, worked at Wake Forest a little bit this morning, worked at the deli, um, got my usual workout in. You know, it's it's all routine. My, uh, my, my life lately has just been the same routine that I kind of like, that I'm t- kind of down with, and makes me happy. So other than that, I'm good. How's it going with you? It's going. Life's good. Life's good. Got to watch some ACC basketball yesterday. It was a bittersweet moment. You don't realize how much you care about the little things until like they kind of approach you. Yesterday was the last day I spent in my uh, child. Uh, I don't know if it's a childhood home. We'll call it my teenage home because I moved there when I was 13 in Virginia. My parents are moving to Florida this weekend, so that was a little bittersweet. Yeah, right. And they're moving to like the farmland between Gainesville and St. Augustine. So, like, they're literally, like, in rural redneck Florida. Ooh, wow. So, like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for my dad to become the next Florida man. But, <laughs> um, but no, that was bittersweet, but it was nice. Got to, uh, our neighbor is a diehard Virginia Tech fan, so she took my mom and I to the game yesterday against Dayton, so that was fun. Um, Nick, I don't want to spoil our basketball talk, but we actually do a, uh, a hot take board at our uh, at work and you get points right for like if they come to fruition and there's long term and short term this virginia cavalier fan put on the hot take board my way it's my first hot take since i've been working that i've actually been willing to put on the board i said virginia tech will make the final four this season you know what i like it a lot so, I, I I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I, I'll, I'll cheer for my who's. I love my who's. I'll believe in my who's. But what I saw from Virginia Tech yesterday, man, they whipped Dayton's ass up and down the floor, dude. It was incredible. Like, I don't want Virginia Tech to be successful selfishly. But, man, that was some fun basketball. So, any Hokies listening, y'all, y'all get to Castle this year, man. This team's fun. <laughs> like, I'm... If it weren't for the fact that currently tickets are $175 for when Virginia goes there in February, I'm going to still try to find a way to go. I don't know if I can justify $200 for an hour and a half basketball game, but um, if it drops anywhere to about $100, I'll probably do it. So, um, man, that was a uh, Castle was rocking. Students were showing out. It was, uh, it was a really good time at Castle yesterday. So, shout out to, shout out to Virginia Tech and Nick, I was hoping to make this a basketball kind of only podcast, but who the who the f are we kidding? We we gave ourselves three days between recordings and didn't expect a lot of shit to happen in college football. So we'll have to touch on some college football stuff first, I think. But we'll still make this a majority basketball pod. But shout out to college football for being so drunk that you can't even have three days off to kind of let things dwindle down a little bit. I know, man. It's just like thing, things keep happening. Now, things have come down for sure. But, you know, I, college football is starting to own the month of December. And then once we get an expanded playoff, they're really going to uh, own December. It's just, it's just nonstop. There's, 
the transfer portal and the coaching hires is just insane. So what football news did you want to talk about first? Well, I think we've got to talk about the coaches in the ACC, um, of course. I know when we last talked, Scott Satterfield had taken Cincy, but the replacement had not been filled, Jeff Brown. The home run hire, well, we won't call it a home run hire, but that's just the, the right hire, the perfect hire, we should say, uh, considering everything for Louisville. They got exactly what they, I mean, they wanted Jeff Brown in the last hiring. They didn't want Scott Satterfield. He was option B or C. So they got the guy they wanted. Um, the, the prodigal son returns home, the Louisville native, the Louisville star. I mean, the legend who, you know, has got probably the most legendary XFL quote of all time comes home to Louisville. Fantastic hire for the cards. Um, I feel bad for Purdue, of course, because that program really was in a great spot. Um, Nick, this might... Uh, I don't think this will happen, but I do have some friends in the Purdue circle. Um, Nick, if you didn't know, I take took a MBA class <laughs> online at Purdue, so I technically am a Purdue student, so LOL, boiler up, I guess. But, um, you know, with, uh, with that being said, you know, I have some good friends in the Purdue Athletic Department. Dave Clawson is one of the first people they're calling. Now... They don't think they actually have a shot. They think that Dave wants to stay again. These people are, these people are on, the, on the search committee. But, of course, you know, they're around people that are and have rumblings. But Dave Clawson's in the, uh, in the, uh, on the uh, what's the word, the, the draft board, <laughs> so to speak. So um, that was uh, definitely intriguing, to see the, say the least. Uh, I, uh, I told them that they should go hire Sean Lewis, who, of course, just took the job at Colorado as the offensive coordinator, but right. he might take the Purdue job if that comes available because there's probably more money as the head coach of Purdue than the OC at Colorado. Uh, I got my email today for, as being a Colorado student ticket holder for the last two seasons about renewing my seats, and, of course, student tickets went up another $100. So since I first bought team tickets, they've gone up $250 already, uh, and that includes teams that went – uh, the year that I bought them, they were coming off that Pac-12 championship appearance um, in the COVID year. And those two years since then, they have lost uh, how many games? Uh, I think it's 19, 20? Yeah, 19 <laughs> or 20, something like that. <laughs> yeah, they went 4-8 and eight and 1-11. and 11, So I believe it was 4-8. It might be 3-9. and nine. I think it was 4-8. and eight. So we'll just give them the benefit of the doubt and call it 19. Yeah, my seen tickets have gone up by about $300. So... Smart Colorado, I guess. Um, well, they're probably going to get me to renew because I'm planning to go to Nebraska, Colorado next year in week two because that's just going to be way too awesome not to go to. So that's going to um, be so great. I'm I was already talking about that game yesterday. How yeah, I, how excited I am for that matchup. That's yeah, like it, I already know our ETSU schedule for next year. We are not at home that weekend, so I was like, you know what. Buy my two season tickets. Probably take my buddy who lives out there, who's a Husker fan, and we'll go out there and uh, have a good old time. So, anyways, that's enough about that. But I uh, really just want to talk about what, you, what your thoughts are on the Jeff Brom hire. Um, then, obviously, we need to have a little bit of conversation about Phil Longo uh, taking the job at Wisconsin with Luke Fickle there, leaving North Carolina. Of course, um, North Carolina fans can breathe a little bit as they got. Word that the man, the myth, the legend, Drake May, wants to stay. Um, all I have to say on that matter is, 
anyone that thought he was leaving clearly does not know the May family. <laughs> like this kid could have gotten his NIL bag previously at Alabama. He could have he could have been a star at Alabama when he was coming out of college. This this it's like he's a projected potential first round draft pick next season out of North Carolina, anyways. So why would you change your situation? I mean, I understand the OC's gone, but if anything, it almost gives them a nice little loophole if things go south. <laughs> but oh, the offensive coordinator just was not a good good fit this time around. So, um, but Nick, how are you feeling about the Jeff Brown hire at at Louisville? Dude, I love it. It, it just all makes sense. Um, whether we want, wanted to admit it or not, I think you and I were starting to make, turn good on Scott Satterfield that maybe he's doing something good there. Uh, you know, he was uh, doing some good towards the end of the season. And then he takes the Cincinnati job kind of out of nowhere. It was a bombshell on the college football world, really. No one really saw that coming. And I think Louisville fans themselves are happy. I would say a lot of them are happy. I think a lot of them are more relieved. They're relieved that Satterfield's gone because I think this was just dragging along for them. And they're happy that Jeff Braun is their coach now. Uh, I love the hire. I think this is a good revamp for the Louisville program. I think it gives it a little bit more juice. I think it gives it a little more um, electricity in the program. Uh He's going to get his own guys. I think it's going to be very exciting. Um, they're going to be competitive. Not that they weren't competitive. I think Scott Satterfield just from the start, where he was, it felt kind of forced looking back on it, where he had made the comments about the airport. He was looking at South Carolina. He was looking at um, <clears throat> these other schools um, always. And it was always one thing after another. Um you never heard a player really talk bad about him, which I think is fine. I think that's a reason why they kept him for that long. And, you know, they were, they were making bowl games. They were never horrible. I don't think Louisville ever had a bad team uh, when he was coach, but you know, I think this is good. I think a change needed to happen. Looking back on everything as the dust settles, it was feeling kind of forced. So I'm happy for Louisville. I'm happy for Jeff Brown. I think uh, some big things are going to happen there uh, for sure. I mean, I think it's literally the perfect situation for Louisville because you've, your program just got juice for the Fenway Bowl. Your men's basketball team is atrocious. So yeah. you need some sort of spark to just kind of reignite the fan base athletically on a ticketing revenue standpoint. So you've sparked, like the Fenway Bowl is going to be nuts. Because even though they're probably happy Satterfield's gone, they're still thinking F that, F that guy. So that's going to add some juice. You know, they got the guy they wanted. Not to mention they're getting the guy off of like more juice than even when they were trying to get him the first time. I mean, for goodness sakes, he just played in the Big Ten Championship with Purdue, their first ever appearance. So, you know, there's a lot of positivity behind it. And, like, you know, yes, they, they lost Reuben Owens, who was, you know, the number one running back recruit in the 2024 class. Uh, he's now going to Texas A&M. 
I don't know if he's going to Louisville, even if <laughs> Satterfield's still the coach. Like, I think that was one of those NIL situations, and he was probably starting to kind of feel 50-50 about it because as much as you want to, you can shit-talk what Texas A&M seasons were, it's not like Louisville had any any more promising upside than A&M did <laughs> moving into the future. And so, you know, he's from Texas. It just kind of made sense for the kid to go get the bag at A&M. I mean, you know, so it was like they lost that. But I think that Jeff Brom can still get him up into the top 30 of recruiting what Satterfield was doing. Louisville's very committed to NIL. You know, I mean, Satterfield was out because of the whole, you know, he knew that his job was he was going to have a job going into next season. But he, all he did was he just bought himself another year of the same situation he was in this year, which is don't have a bad loss or you're in trouble, my guy. And yeah. that's not a life you want to live. Um, you know, Satterfield, and like Satterfield's entering like arguably the best situation that someone that was probably on a hot seat could imagine. You're getting a brand that's made the college football playoff in the last two years that has a commitment to football, whose NIL game is still kind of being <laughs> worked on, but you're entering the Big 12, so your school's going to see more money from that. So, you're again, and Scott said, like, if you're a Louisville fan, like, I hope no Louisville fans hate, like, truly hate Scott Satterfield. Can you blame a guy who has no ties to the University of Louisville for being interested in an SEC job like South Carolina? Or I know Cincinnati's a rival, but, you know, again, like, y'all were calling for his head, so can you really blame him for taking advantage of an open P5, well, soon-to-be P5 job, a.k.a. P5 job now that the regular season's pretty much over, and it's just bowl games left for them in, as an American team? I mean, you can't blame him one bit. So I think it just worked out really well for both parties. However, we got to talk Phil Longo. Because, first off, any North Carolina fans, I saw some of y'all on Twitter. Oh, he's trash. Y'all are dumb. <laughs> he's no, the only. Saying that. There were a couple of North Carolina fans that were trying to justify that, like, he should have done better. And I'm just sitting there, like, sure, you can make that argument, but he's the only reason your football team's even relevant. It sure as hell wasn't the defense upside of the ball. <laughs> Um, that's, that's a delusional, delusional take that they just had. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's just the irrational. I'm angry, so I'm going to pretend like we're like it's like you know it's like the dog sitting in the fire drinking the the coffee, reading the newspaper. Like you know you're trying to pretend it's fine, but it's not fine. However, I don't, I don't get it from Phil Longo's end. Like I understand like Wisconsin can do it. I mean, they're, they're in the Big Ten where the money is going to become even more astronomically large. It's got a brand. There is the argument that, you know, they can still recruit the offensive linemen and the running backs and still be explosive. I mean, think about it. When they were making that orange roll run two years ago, they could run the damn ball, too. It wasn't like that team was only, like, spread it out and only throw. So, there is an argument that that system could truly work. And Luke Fickle's a defensive-minded guy. So I respect him for kind of being like, yeah, I'm not going to like, cause sometimes you see those defensive minded coaches kind of having the ego of, Oh, we're going to win games 20 to 10. We're just going to focus on that. We're going to play game control. Luke Fickle's like, nah, I want to try to win national titles. So we're going to space it out. 
But Phil Longo's type system is not built for uh, November in Wisconsin, where it's 15 degrees and snowing with 30 mile per hour crosswinds. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see. Um, but I'm just intrigued to see what Mac Brown goes next because I think Mac Brown is smart enough to to not go away from this principle. But this is a big deal. I mean, look at Tyler Van Dyke. He loses Rhett Lashley and gets Josh Gaddis. And that offense goes from, like, the future of the ACC to arguably one of the worst offenses in the conference. You know, Virginia, granted, new head coach. that well, I guess Miami was too. But, like, you know, you saw the similar situation with Virginia. They go from Robert and I, who some fans could not question, you know, and I watched Robert and I throw a screen pass to a lineman in the red zone against Virginia Tech his last game as a Virginia Cavalier play caller. But then they replaced him with Des Kitchens, who clearly it was a step back, at least this season. Um, so, you know, this is an important thing because, you know, one thing that has not been talked about enough, Nick, in my opinion, and I think we need to do our justice on this podcast, is Drake May was not good the last two games. He faced two very good defenses. Three games. And, uh, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you could say the Georgia Tech game, too. I would argue that those were more drops, though, than anything else. I mean, for God's sakes, he threw the game-winning touchdown, and Josh Downs went, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to catch the football, aren't I? Yeah. My bad. Like, there were, like, probably 20 drops. I mean, again, he wasn't perfect against Georgia Tech, but I'm not blaming him as much. Like, there were a lot of drops <laughs> against Georgia Tech. But you can even factor in three, but I'm just going to say the last two games against good defenses, he truly struggled. Yeah. Like, and again, I still blame that partially on their offensive line not being able to protect him. His receivers were still dropping some balls they shouldn't have. But if you're the, you know, again, think about Lamar Jackson when he was at Louisville. I mean, granted, different type of guy. He had a lot more ability with his legs, but. Lamar Jackson had a very similar situation where he was a one-man team, but he was at least putting up numbers still. Like all the North Carolina fans that are mad that Drake May didn't win the O'Brien Award or the, even get a spot at the Heisman, like his last two games didn't justify it. I mean, he was not good. So there's a lot of reasons to kind of look around the room and kind of just go that this is like, you don't want to put too much pressure on the hire, but... You get this higher wrong, who knows what they're wasting? Because they can't afford to have them rely on their defense. Like, I don't expect a, uh, the miracle that was Virginia's turnaround defensively to happen for North Carolina, where one year they're giving up 60, and the next year they've got five guys on the all ACC teams. So, you know, it, it is uh, it's going to be an important hire for North Carolina. I don't even know what names to throw out. When it comes to coordinators, I'm the wrong person to talk to about that. Like, I'm not doing my deep dive research on what offensive coordinator makes sense. Um, but, I mean, it's – Mac Brown, I mean, I think he'll be able to get a good coach. They've got money there, especially for the ACC. he got one of the better pools for assistance. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on this. I mean, I don't, I don't normally believe in letting players have a true say, but <laughs> – let Josh Downs and Drake may have a say in this. <laughs> Let yeah. them see who they want to play with. Because, like, I'm being serious. Like, you want your quarterback to be comfortable, and he's going to be the reason your team is anything next year. Right. I mean, let's just be let's just be completely honest with ourselves. So, it's uh, 
I don't think the sky is falling on North Carolina, but it definitely just lit a little bit of an extra, like, like the, the, the smoke detector went off a little bit. It's getting a little toasty inside Chapel Hill right now. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think Phil Longo going to Wisconsin is very, very interesting. Um, you know, a lot of schools need a rebrand type of thing. You know, I kind of thought the same thing when um, uh, Venables went to Oklahoma, that they were finally going to get a defense. And right now it's not working out with Venables. I mean, he was given the keys to a five-star program that went six and six. So that's not good. But, you know, uh, 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 let's calm down with that, though. He lost half his team to the transfer portal. The yeah, Oklahoma Sooners are the USC Trojans. Star recruits. Like, yeah, you're, but... you're, you're, you're getting like a top five program in the college football playoff era, and you're going six and six with all those guys. Yeah, but he went from Caleb Williams, who went 10 and 2, to Dylan Gabriel. Like, no disrespect to Dylan Gabriel, but that is a two to three win drop off at quarterback alone. Yeah, I just think six and six is still a little disappointing. If I, I mean, if you're a brand like Oklahoma and you're oh, I agree, like, absolutely. Venables. No, absolutely. But, <laughs> yeah, but with Longo, I think you know, some schools they they want a rebrand, and I think Wisconsin, you know, with having Chris there forever, and suddenly you know you start to see that all these other programs around you are with the new era of college football and Wisconsin has not been catching up to it. So they're kind of doing a whole rebrand, which will be interesting to see. I think this change is good for Wisconsin, but um, as for Carolina, I agree with you. I think they are not, they they're kind of panicking a little bit at the moment. It's like, you're right. The, the, the smoke alarm starting to go off a little bit in Chapel Hill they're losing a lot of guys to the transfer portal. Now, they're probably going to get killed in that bowl game against Oregon. Now, Bo Nix has already said that he's going to play. So, good luck, uh, UNC defense, on that because that's going to be a shit show for you. But for Mac Brown, it's been kind of smooth sailing, but there's been, you know, some panic under the radar since he's really been there. Now, his first year – he ran. He revamped everything. He went six and six, got to a bowl game, and won the bowl game. Then COVID happened. Um, they won. Uh, they, they went to the Orange Bowl under the COVID year. Which, how real is that? I don't know. I I tend to think it's pretty real. You know, they did play eleven games, ten games. Uh, they kept up with a good Texas A and N and team that year. But since then, it's been kind of disappointing. Even this year, they were flying under the radar, waiting to be exposed. Now, going into this year, it's a big test for Mac Brown. How, how are you going to work the transfer portal? How are you going to develop your guys? Can you keep your guys in your program? Because right now, you've lost seven guys just on the defensive side of the ball. Now, you're lucky Drake May is still there. You're very lucky because right now he's the face of your brand. He's the face of your franchise. You lose him, then there's no hope, I think, for Mac Brown at this point. When Mac Brown was hired, I kind of said, okay, he let's see, he's 71 right now. So when he was hired, he was, what, 67, 68 years old? So Max, you're talking Max, 
Mac Brown is there 10, maybe 11 years. Well, now you're four years, five years into it. You've had success, but it's been kind of fraudulent success. Now you lose your offensive coordinator. Now the era of college football is changing. And while you're still hanging on with Mac Brown, and this is going to be a test season, my guy texted you this. There are coaches just in the state of North Carolina that are not leaving for some time. And even in the ACC, uh, Dabo's not leaving Clemson anytime soon. Dave Doran's not leaving NC State anytime soon. Clawson's not leaving Wake. Mike Elko's brand new at Duke. And now you got a brand new coach in Brent uh, Pry at Virginia Tech, who just finished his first year. Mario Cristobal just finished his first year at Miami. You got Brent Key at Georgia Tech, who's brand new. And you've got. Um, I'm sorry, who's your coach at Virginia? I keep forgetting his name. Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott, thank you, who just finished his first year. There are a lot of brand new faces in the ACC, and there are a lot of guys that are not leaving for a while. So Mac Brown is in a kind of sticky situation. He's the only middleman, really, in the ACC. And the fact that, you know, he is up there in age, UNC fans might be panicking a little bit. Uh, now you're, I, I think Drake Mace announcing that he's staying until he gets drafted until he decides to declare for the draft is huge for you. Um, again, he, he there's no, there's no, re- like you said, the May family is Carolina through and through. There's no reason why Drake may would leave. You know, he's, he, he is probably bigger than any basketball player on UNC, which is saying something. He's up there with Armando Baycott when it comes to, your brand at UNC or even more. He's probably even bigger. And is some of that because of his older brother who played basketball? Sure. But still like you're the starting quarterback and you have Mac Brown has revamped UNC, but now it's starting to slip and slide a little bit. So next season is going to be a huge test for Mac Brown and his hiring, his the guys that he can keep because you know, I don't mean to bring NC State up in this, but your rivals, your the guys, the the team, the program that you're competing with, they they're they're they those guys are staying. They're not leaving. Like, NC State for the second year in a row is bottom of guys leading leaving their program. They don't have anybody leaving except Devin well, Leary, which is understandable. Of course, he would be leaving, but that is kind of you know, tells you a lot about the two cultures too, Ma- mainly more about NC States, but you know, it says a lot. So it is a little bit of a panic time for Carolina. See North Carolina, which by the way, shout out to North Carolina. They are uh, currently the top university for FCS all American and ETSU great defensive back, Elijah Huzzy. So, uh, obviously I got to watch him a ton this year. Um, so I hope he, uh, I mean, I, I kind of told him when I saw him in the hallway. I hope he goes to UVA. Um, I don't think he's actually getting recruited by there, but I said, Hey, you should go to UVA, not UNC. But, um, yeah, he did have a great visit. It sounded like, um, or is expecting a great visit. Excuse me. He hasn't gone just yet, but, um, no, but I think, I mean, again, the, the portal problem with UNC right now has to rely on, it's at the defense, man. And you can't fold any of those guys. I mean, we're talking about guys like Tony Grimes and Storm Duck, who 
talently have the like I mean I know this is being egotistical, but I want Tony Grimes and Storm Duck to come get developed at UVA. I mean, look at what UVA put on the all-ACC team this year with their two guys. Like, they've, they've had numerous solid defensive backs in their time. Um, you know, I would love to see that happen, but, again, they're probably not going to. But, you know, they've, they've been failed. I mean, no disrespect to Gene Chizik, but I think he's actually a pretty good defensive play caller. I don't think he's a good development of talent, though. And they're missing something there with that. Right. And so, you know, that, that, that portal piece makes sense. It's like, you don't see a ton of guys in the portal offensively for UNC. And the ones that you do see are the guys that we're not, not going to see the field probably anytime soon because there's just better athletes in front of them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, you're right, though. This UNC season next season will be a, a big one. Um, and really, I mean... I know bowls don't matter, and they'll be the excuse if they get housed about all the opt-outs because of you know transfer portal and stuff. But I mean, if they can somehow beat Oregon, man, like yeah, that's gonna be huge for momentum for them for next season. So they they need to like I bet you Mac Brown is taking this game very seriously. Um, I don't think he's gonna let on his end at least. I mean, hopefully he'll prepare for multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, I said it. Don't be so dumb and only worry about DJ. That's kind of on you, Mac. Shout out to you for having the balls to admit that, though. <laughs> but, you know, it'll be interesting, um, to say the least. So, um, one other thing I want to do football quickly, Nick, is I just want to talk about Dave Clawson's comments about Sam Hartman. I'm just curious what you thought. I, I loved him. You know what comments I'm talking about, Nick? Yeah, I, I saw something brief about how he, he – He's going to play the bowl game, and he'll make his decision about the NFL draft afterwards. Yeah, so basically Dave Clawson said, and again, this is not quote for quote. I could pull up the quote, but it was basically, you know, that he'll play in the bowl game. He'll make a decision after the bowl game whether he wants, like what his future is, whether it's going to the NFL. But Dave Clawson had a comment on there that I truly respect. He's like, if this man can go somewhere else where he can get, you know, like game-changing money, how could we fault him? Right, and like I respected the hell out of him for saying that, and I also think too, and I and, and I don't know, I haven't seen this really been put anywhere on Twitter, and I, I hope I, my thought process of why Dave Clawson said that was uh, hello to the Top Hat Collective. I think that's what it's called, right? It's Top Hat Collective. That's what they call it, something like that. Whatever they're calling the collective over at Wake Forest. Um, hey guys, you want you want us to be able to keep Sam Hartman? Uh, prepare a bag. <laughs> so. The always Italian market just pledged $5 million. Is that, that true? Damn. No, 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 Nick, if you're planning on pledging $5 million to Sam Hartman, I'm going to be really pissed they're not giving us a dollar for the amount of times we've shouted them out. <laughs> so, but, but no, I mean, so like, but honestly. Baseball players have tried. Some have tried. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the only thing I got to say about the Sam Hartman thing, I think it's – I think, you know, Sam has earned to do whatever he wants to do with yeah. the respect from everybody, from every Wake Forest fan, from every, you know, person that lives in Winston-Salem mm-hmm. that has followed Wake Forest football. Um, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, I'm, I'm still banking that – I don't know why. I don't know how you feel about this, Micah. I personally don't think he'll go to the draft yet. I know he's 24 – 
Um, but I, I feel like he will transfer after the bowl game. I feel like he's going to go to Florida. There's a, there's a brand new opportunity down there. And if Florida can cough up the money and he could develop even more at an SEC school like Florida, um, you know, that, that would be huge for him. I think, I think they'll bump up his draft stock. He could play against tougher talent in the SEC. Um, I, I think the change for Sam Hartman, if he wants to go to Florida would be the smartest thing for him. If he wants to stay at wake, I mean, he should stay at Wake if he wants to. I mean, he's a very loyal person. He loves Wake Forest University. He loves Dave Clawson. He loves the guys that he played with. And it's not like Wake doesn't have talent. Wake has, you know, Wake had arguably the best wide receivers in the ACC. They had arguably the best O-line or one of the best O-lines in the ACC. Um, you know, the decision's all up to him. If I had to put my money on it, the way things are going down in Florida and Gainesville, you know, they, um, Anthony Richardson's going to the draft. There's a very ugly, sicky situation with their backup quarterback. If Florida, you know, knocks on the door of Sam Hartman and they're guaranteeing him a starting position with a boatload of money that he can, you know, keep to himself, why wouldn't you take that? Why would I mean, you, why would you risk? going to the NFL draft on a lower draft stock than not taking a chance at Florida and, you know, developing even more at a program like that. So if I were Sam, I think I would probably transfer. It makes total sense. And I I could definitely see him doing that. And like, there are legitimately Nick, and I know this, I'm friends with some, there are legitimate Florida fans that will be in person at the, what is it? Gasparilla bowl for Sam Hartman and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons against Mizzou. Like, there will legitimately be Florida fans there with signs saying, Sam, come home. Sam, come be a Gator. Like, they will be cheering. Like, they can't lose. Hopefully, they'll see their future quarterback, and obviously, they'll probably cheer for the SEC team because, you know, that's how the SEC works. Um, But, you know, like, and this is why, this is my favorite part of NIL, is the fact that there's a legitimate reason that you know, you could argue for that. The value of a Sam Hartman to Florida could be a million dollars. And a value of Sam Hartman as the sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick in the NFL draft is 400 k Oh, and by the way, there's a good chance that if Sam Hartman enters next year, he's in the same boat as he is as long as he doesn't, like, his career doesn't end on injury. Right. So... He could get collect an extra million dollars and potentially boost his NFL number if he has a good year in the SEC. Like the value of some of these quarterbacks that like would fall to the late. Like Nick, I don't know if you how much you follow all of college football. You know Frank Harris at UTSA. Yeah, he just announced that he's coming back to UTSA mm-hmm. for his like fifth or sixth season. Now it's whatever it is. This man is coming back because he knew he was getting graded out as a sixth-round pick. And he let UTSA, he was like, here's the deal. You get within 10% of what some of these bigger schools are talking about giving me if I enter the portal, I'll stay. And guess what? UTSA is like, we're about to hit the American Athletic Conference. We want to remain good at football. Frank, you can have it. That is awesome. 
Anyone that gets mad about that needs to needs you to shut up. Like that is beautiful. That like guys like Frank Harris and, and Drake May are willing to stay at their universities because there is a loyalty piece. But again, there is financial reasons to stay. Because like as much as everyone wants to like try to pretend like it didn't happen. When guys would transfer at some of these bigger schools, that money was just being done under the table. At least now we know. And, like, the schools that respected some of those rules, not saying necessarily UNC would be one of them, but, like, schools that, you know, didn't, like, a UTSA who really in the old system could not afford to risk their entire athletic department by keeping a quarterback with money could have lost them to a Texas or a Texas A&M. Or someone that needed, you know, could slide a, a McDonald's bag full of cash under the table when I was recruiting visit. So that kind of stuff is great. But like you said, I think the Sam Hartman thing. I can't wait to watch him in Tampa. That's the last game in the black and gold. <laughs> I know I'll always remember him as a legend. So I mean, he might be the best quarterback in Wake Forest history. Probably is. Probably, yeah. I got one more question on Sam Hartman for you. You ready? Yep. Do you believe that he kept his rib in the fridge? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> what a Dude, story. I think, <clears throat> I don't know if it's up. true, but Sam oh, is like true. the type of guy to do that. It's 100% true. There's no way it's not. That's way, that is way too like, like, you know when you can tell if someone's lying because it's just like, you know, uh, like something doesn't add up. That is just way too weird to be a lie. Like, why would you lie about that? Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't we wait for him to like wear it. We were talking about it at work today, and some people were like, "No, that that, that just sounds so weird." I'm just thinking, you know, it's so weird that it might actually be true. I can't wait for him to wear it in the post game press conference of the Gasparilla Bowl. Where he's, he does the uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not fucking leaving! With his bone hanging out. That would just be the most legendary thing of all time. That's but, but all right, Nick. It's the long-awaited time. ACC basketball. Conversations. The ACC currently only has two teams ranked. That would be the third-ranked Virginia Cavaliers and the 15th-ranked Duke Blue Devils. Um, every ACC team except for two are 500 or better, and the two are Florida State and Louisville. That just feels weird. Um, but, Nick, the ACC won the Big Ten ACC Challenge like we talked about earlier. We have had some ACC games under our belt. Every team except Georgia Tech has played an ACC game. Um, last night, Miami decided that defense was optional against Cornell, who, by the way, might be the best team in the Ivy League. It does not make that excusable, but it's not as bad of a game as one would say. Um, Pitt was competitive with Vanderbilt, which was impressive. But the ACC has not looked good, Nick. Um, there's been a lot of games where you just are wondering what's going on. I mean, Boston College lost to New Hampshire. I understand it's Boston College, but they still lost to New Hampshire. Syracuse, of course, has some bad losses. Miami has struggled. They are nine and one, but again, they have uh, drastically they have a struggled. Lot of close games. Yes, they have. Um, I mean, sneaked out a win against UCF. Snuck out a game against Cornell. Snuck out a game against. Well, Providence is actually a very good win, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. 
Um, but, you know, Notre Dame uh, has had some really impressive wins, like the Michigan State win, where they won by 18. Um, but then they also have a one-point win to Lincecum. They have a 12-point loss at St. Bonaventure. Um, you know, they, they, they've, they lost to Syracuse at home. So, like, they have shown that they are very inconsistent. Um, you know, the ACC, that's really, that's what it, the problem was last year, and it's kind of what I think is the problem this year, is not so much that the ACC is bad, but there really is no great team, because even Virginia, like, Virginia revenged the loss to James Madison on Wednesday, or Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night. 55 to 50. Um, they did not play very well. They could not make a free throw to save their life. That is obviously progress that they were able to beat JMU. But this Virginia team should not be struggling with James Madison. Um, there were some Virginia fans that said, oh, this is a look-ahead spot. Um, I understand the next game is the number one team in the country, Houston. <coughs> um, but uh, that's not until next Saturday. <laughs> so if you're having a look-ahead spot um, 12 days before your next game, um, that's a problem. <laughs> so, damn, they don't. Wow, that's a. Oh wait, yep, finals. Yep, academic schools in finals, man. Forgot about that. So yeah, they. And again, you could chalk that up however you want to, but you know, like really, like again, like it's mind-boggling I mean, that Virginia Tech is not ranked. I understand they don't have a ton of great wins. Like they barely escaped Penn State. Um, they weren't dominant over a bad Minnesota team. But they beat North Carolina. I mean, they will be ranked as long as they take care of business Sunday against Oklahoma State. Yeah, I because, think they would. Because what they did to Dayton last night, man, was so damn impressive. Like, Dayton was struggling to shoot. Like, they could not make many baskets. Uh, they were struggling. They had some open looks. But they had a lot of contested shots. So... A lot of credit has to be given to the Hokies, and they could not miss, man. They were hitting threes. They were dominating the insides, and this is the preseason A-10 favorite, which the A-10, of course, is one of the better mid-major conferences in all of college basketball. And it wasn't like, oh, they won by seven or eight, no big deal. They took them to the damn woodshed, one by 28. And it was a 20-point game. Like, it was 10-4 to Dayton, the first media. And I'm like, oh, uh-oh. And then the next thing I look up, it's like 30, 35 to 18 or something like that. And it's like, oh, shit. Okay, Virginia Tech. I mean, they were just impressive, man. I mean, again, it's called a hot take for a reason that I have them in the Final Four. I don't, like, I legitimately would feel comfortable, like, you know, putting my life on it. But this team has the, like, they are very well-rounded. They have the ability, like, like right now the three best teams in the, or two best teams in the ACC, I think, are in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, I mean, Duke and North Carolina have the talent to be there, but they haven't put it together. Um, <clears throat> Duke has looked like like I, I really feel like Duke's problem might be coaching, man. Like this is not disrespecting John Shire, but they're, they're just a step behind, and, I, and it could again. I mean, you just lost their legendary coach who's been there for twenty some freaking years. Like, there's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve. 20, I think almost forty. Yeah, right? That's true. Like, you know, with UNC, of course, you know, I, I still am I'm kind of uh, on the fence about Hubert Davis. Like, 
everyone that's freaking out about North Carolina, like, let's just remember, they were not a great regular season team last year. Right. Like, they got it rolling down the stretch into the ACC tournament. I believe, if I remember correctly, they lost to Virginia Tech in the championship, if that's correct. Correct. I mean, I know Virginia Tech won it, but I believe it was UNC they played in the championship. And that's how UNC... finals they lost. Maybe that's what it was. But that's how UNC snuck in to, you know, be the what, seven seed or whatever it was, six seed. Like, they were not a high seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they go on a run, and, yeah, they took it to Coach K, but you saw it in the national title game against Kansas. Like, they came out and took it to Kansas, and then the better team won. So, like, you can make an argument that UNC was just over, over, overhyped, and there's still a lot of question marks. So... You know, it'll be very interesting because I think the ACC is wide open. But, I mean, my takeaways right now are the two best teams reside in the wealth of Virginia. And the state of North Carolina has some question marks, man, because, you know, Wake has looked very good at times and looked really bad at times. NC State, kind of the same thing. Like, and obviously the injury news is not helping. Um, so... It's going to be interesting what happens down the stretch because, like, I'm not, I'm not a believer. Like, you look at the standings right now. It's Virginia, Miami, Virginia Tech, Duke, Clemson, Pitt, Syracuse, all at one and out. I, I don't think that half those teams at the top are going to stay at the half one, stay at the halfway point of the top. Come, you know, March, come February. Right. So, you know, and also <coughs> the greatest game. <coughs> excuse me. In college basketball history, will be occurring on Saturday, as the Florida State Seminoles and Louisville Cardinals will be playing at one o'clock. So, um, everybody, make sure to dial into that because uh, that is going to be so bad. It's going to be beautiful. Oh God! Yeah. Um. You know, it, it has been kind of disappointing so far. I mean, yeah, we did win the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which I think is huge for this conference. It shows that. You, <clears throat> Come like tournament time, whichever teams make it uh, to the tournament can compete and uh, will go far and have a li- nice little stretch. I mean, they did it last year. Who's to say they won't do it this year? Um, two teams I kind of want to talk about: Miami. They they're squeaking out these wins. They look. I mean, they're off to a better start than they were last year. And last year they made it all the way to the Elite Eight. So I think. They're comfortably a at least a top five team in this conference when it's oh, all sure. said and done. I yeah. think this team is pretty good. Um, no, nothing has really slowed them down. That they have NC State uh, this Saturday, which will be I think one of their bigger tests so far this season. Um, but my, kudos to Miami. They 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 look the even better than last season. Um, Another team I kind of want to talk about a little bit and give a little praise to are the Clemson Tigers. Um, their losses, Micah, are a combined five points. One was at South Carolina, their second game of the season, and then they lost by three to Iowa, who at the time was ranked 25, who right now is not in the top 25 anymore, but they are currently – Mopping the floor with number 20, Iowa State, 57 to 33 in the second half. So not a bad loss at all. 
They've beaten some, you know, power five teams. They've beaten Cal. They've beaten Penn State. Uh, they came back and destroyed Wake. I mean, that was a beautiful win um, for them. So shout out to the Clemson Tigers. They have put on a nice little run. Uh, when they beat teams, they beat them pretty good. And when they lose to teams, you know, they're losing to – no, they're not losing to slouches. They're losing to teams that will compete for a tournament spot. Um, so I think they're a dog to watch for. Um, as we head into conference play, they might pull off some upsets here and there. They could beat Virginia. They could beat Duke. They could beat Carolina. We'll see. Um, so those are my two teams that I think got, if ACC basketball fans should pay attention to as we head into deeper into conference play. But uh, nor, what I really want to get to is a team that's kind of disappointing a lot of ACC fans and, you know, North Carolina, like it, it I, I didn't want to like say that much about it in the beginning of the season where they only beat Portland by eight. They only beat Wilmington by 13. And that game was actually very close, but this four game losing streak right now is not good. Granted, you know, one of them is in overtime to Alabama, but still North Carolina they, they caught a nice run in the ACC tournament last year, like you said, and they went on a very nice run all the way to the championship game. They, they might have just caught lightning in a bottle and they need to, you know, get back to where they were. But so far, a very disappointing start for the heels. Like, I don't know. It, it has just been very disappointing for North Carolina. Um, but I love what your Virginia Hoos are doing, man. They are – they're undeniably one of the better teams in the country for sure. They've beaten big brands. They've been beaten good teams by a lot. Um, it, it's beautiful. Honestly, they, they, they don't, they don't score a lot, which is the beauty of Virginia basketball, which is sicko move, but it's, you got to appreciate it. I, I can't wait for that Houston matchup because I, they're a team that will score a lot. So I, I can't wait for that. Um, and for my NC State Wolfpack, it's you know it's better than it's better than last year. A better start than last year. Um, the pit loss, I will say, definitely made NC State fans touch the brakes on this season a little bit. It, it definitely humbled NC State. Now, as much as you know, teams or I'm sorry, fans want to blame Kevin Keats and like he's not the guy. We got to get rid of him. This is another bad loss. A lot of that was the players. Uh, our two best scorers on the team went a combined 0 for 20 from the floor. That's not going to do well. If either of them makes a quarter or if both of them make a quarter of their shots, we win that game. So, as much as NC State fans want to blame Kevin Keats and are ready to jump on him being fired, take a step back, look at what the players did. Because, I mean, coaching only goes so far as your performance on the floor. And going 0 for 20 with your two best scorers is not going to get it done. They're lucky that they only lost that game by eight when you say out loud. Um Losing Dusan is tough. We don't. No one knows how long his timetable is. It's a patella injury. 
uh, that he's going to have to go into surgery for. Um, I do have a little inside scoop. My sister works um, every morning practice with the basketball team, uh, you know, just, you know, doing the typical health and nutrition major, filling up water and cleaning towels and all that kind of stuff. So she has told me that he is the hardest working guy on this team. He's the first guy in in the morning. He's the first or he's the last guy to leave practice. Uh, and to lose him as a starter is huge. It's not good. Um, with this type of injury, it could be, you know, he, he could be back by the holiday. When the holidays are over, he could be done all season. The timetable is indefinitely. So we don't know when he'll be back. So DJ Burns really needs to step it up because he will be getting a lot more minutes. And the guy off the bench will be getting a lot of minutes too. So it's just next man up until we figure out what's going on with Dusan. But you know, NC State, they they, uh, they got a tough one against Miami on the road. It's a big test. I hope they pull it out. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, you brought up Virginia Tech, Micah, as a top two team in this conference. Let me tell you how good Virginia Tech is. NC State and Virginia Tech have the same common opponent in Dayton. NC State only beat Dayton by – when I say only, they, they beat them by 10 which is a good good win. I mean, it was in the Bahamas. You beat a tournament-caliber team, for sure, uh, a team that was not too long ago getting a number one seed in the tournament uh, back in, before COVID ruined it for them. Um, so it, the Dayton's no slouch. And for Virginia Tech to really put a beating on them and you have an ACC team to compare them to, that's huge. That's really huge. So, um I think things are going to be very interesting when conference play comes. I think we're going to get a lot of upsets. I think these middle-of-the-pack teams like Clemson, like Georgia Tech, like Pitt, they might upset. So we'll see. But uh, it's been kind of disappointing at the moment. Yeah. Um, again, that's the nice thing is, you know, it's still early. Now, on the Kevin Keats conversation, like I agree – um, the only reason why I will hear NC, any NC State fan wanting a potential new coach is the momentum that is around the state. I mean, Steve right. Forbes is a hell of a coach, um, you know, at Wake Forest. You know, we, the, the, the verdict is not out on John Shire or Hubert Davis, but, I mean, Hubert Davis took UNC the national title in his first season, and it's Hubert Davis. John Shire is literally Coach K's, like, go-to guy. So just based off that ideology alone, like who is the who's got the least amount of juice as a head coach in, in the big four? Well it's Kevin Keats. So that is the only reason why I will hear that, hey, like maybe it's time. You, you gotta let him finish the season. Like if you tournament you you unless you unless some coach through the grapevine, like for example, um I can't remember his last name, but the head coach over at Sanford, Bucky something. He is a phenomenal guy. Maybe if he says, oh, I would love to go to NC State, okay, maybe you have a conversation. Or another one of these mid-major schools that, you know, have a, has had some success over the last few years. You know, maybe the guy over at Bellarmine. I don't see him leaving. He's probably a Bellarmine lifer. He's fairly old. But, like, those types of programs, okay, maybe you have that conversation. But, again, it's too early for that. That loss to the pit clearly was on the players. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know how you can blame coaching – 
like you said, for a zero for twenty. Like you can say, oh, they should done extra shots. Like, like again, if they lose the game, and they've shot fifty percent. Then sure, there's a problem. But when you're two best, like you can't plan for that all the time. So, and you're not going to bench your best players if they're having a, a slower night, like because you're going to assume they're going to figure it out eventually. <laughs> so, um, you know, when it comes to Clemson. That South Carolina loss is a pretty bad loss. I mean, I know it was early. I know it's a rivalry. I know it was in Columbia. Uh, Saturday will really kind of give us a good, clear picture on Clemson. They play uh, Loyola, Chicago in Atlanta. If they can get that win there, they're sitting at, what, 9-2, and two, I believe? Uh, yeah. You have, to, you have to talk about them potentially being ranked. And, yes, then they're in the conversation for a better ACC, uh, you know, spot. Like, I think we'll probably have to release after this weekend our, power, our first power rankings for basketball. Um, and right now, Clemson should be in the top five. Um, Miami should be, too. I think you mentioned Miami well. Um, again, they, they have not been overly impressive, but they're winning. And they're, they're doing it in different ways. They're scoring one night. They're playing defense the next. And that's a good, that's a good sign. Um, yeah, um, when it comes to the ACC, like, I mean, our worst teams are Florida State and Louisville. And, like, Louisville might be, like, actually bad, bad. But I'm not, like, I'm not sold on Florida State being bad. Like, actually that bad. Like, I think that they could be one of those teams that, you know, could finish the season at 15 and 15, which, yeah, it's not a good year. But that's not what they're currently looking like. You know, they're at 1 and 8 currently. And they're just, I I think they're just really off to a really bad start. Um, I think that's kind of what North Carolina's in, too, like, I mean, no matter what we want to say about North Carolina, because the four losses are, are, are tough. You know, losing to Virginia Tech and losing to Alabama and losing to Indiana and losing to, who am I forgetting? Uh, Iowa State. Iowa, yeah, Iowa State. You know, like, those are, those are tough. But, I mean, you lost to Iowa State and Alabama by combined six points in Portland, Oregon in, in three nights. You know, it's... It's college basketball, man. That's not that surprising. Like, going to Indiana, like, that's a top 20 team. Like, again, it, the four in a row is probably the biggest problem. But, like, it's not like they're out here, like, you know, losing to bad basketball teams. Right. If they, you know, they, let me just confirm this for us. something stupid. They lose to Georgia Tech and the Citadel in their next two games. Okay, now we need to have a conversation. <laughs> but... I'm feeling pretty confident they're going to win both of those. So as long as they do that, they'll probably creep the way back into the top 25 before playing Ohio State at home. Or is that at home or is that somewhere neutral? Yeah, it's in New York, so it's at Madison Square Garden. But, like, I'm, I'm not that worried about it, man. Like, I think the ACC as a whole, we, we have some things to work on. But, I mean, right now we're setting up for a hell of a competitive season. So at the yeah. bare minimum, you know, we have something to look forward to. Cause, I mean, we're never going to be a conference that only gets three in. Like, right now, I think we're projected five or six, which is lower than normal. But at the end of the day, kind of like last year, six that got in were all dangerous. And sometimes that's better than getting nine teams in but only having two or three that are dangerous. So, I mean, I, this is going to be a good weekend of basketball. I mean, it's really going to heat up here soon. Um, I was really glad I got to go to that Virginia Tech game last night because it was just nice to kind of get back into, you know, I've been working a bunch of college basketball games of our own at ETSU, so that's, uh, you know, of course, got me 
in a more basketball mindset than normal, but it was it was nice to truly be in a basketball like environment. You know, obviously Virginia Tech's not going to a bowl game. So, you know, their fan base has really turned over to both their men's and their women's basketball team. Like they were doing live look-ins of the women's game and they were going nuts. Like it was just kind of like, ah, yes. Sadly, football is coming to an end. There's not much left, but basketball's here. And in the ACC territory, our fan base is the SEC when it comes to that. So in a way, it's kind of exciting. So that's all I've got, Nick. Anything else you want to add? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think you put it uh, very well that a lot of these ACC teams are going to be very competitive towards one another. Um, I don't think there is a huge balance of power um, towards one team, maybe Virginia. Uh, but then again, you know, Virginia doesn't score a lot. And if you your team gets hot on Virginia – it could come melting down. And we've seen that before in past Virginia teams, even when they won the national championship. Uh, I hate to bring it up, but even when they, they, they lost first round to UMBC, it, it has been exposed before. So any Virginia team you get, if you just have a hot night, you never know. So I don't think there's a big balance of power. I think all these teams can really give each other a good fight, a fair fight. Like I think, you know, Hell, even Louisville could give somebody a fight. I don't know. This this conference is very talented. Uh, I can't wait till we get into conference play to really see what these teams are like and how the ACC is going to separate itself. But you know, we uh, basketball definitely deserved its own little podcast for about you know how long have we been talking about them for about 30, 40 minutes um, because. You know, we won the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, there, there's a lot to talk about with teams that are not doing well that, you know, are surprising people like Carolina, Louisville, Florida State. And there are teams that are kind of back, like Virginia. You know, NC State has caught a little fire, and I really wish I didn't say that. But, um, you know, Miami looks really good, and uh, Virginia Tech looks really good. So, it's an exciting time right now as we enter conference play within the next week where it's very more cons- a lot more consistent. But um, not anyone can p- compete with anybody. So we'll see, man. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm only two hours from Blacksburg. So I think I'll find myself up there a game or two again. I know some of our staff, because I, I may have mentioned this before, Nick, but uh, Steve Forbes' daughter still works at the athletic department. If you didn't know, Steve Forbes came from ETSU. I did, yes. Um, so his daughter still works in athletic academics here uh, at ETSU. So um, you know, there's a group that's looking at going over for a game or two this year. So if that ends up happening, obviously, we'll have to try to link up. But I'm excited. You know, I'm, uh, It's probably the most dialed into basketball I've been maybe ever, at least since I was a little kid. Just because, you know, I'm working in it, I've never really had a reason to pay attention until March Madness. Where now, at least, I'm a little bit more dialed in just because, again, like, of course, I want the ETSU men's team to be successful. Um, so, you know, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to what we've got. I mean, I'm, of course, pissed that Virginia and Houston is the same time as our men's game on the 17th. Uh, so I'm really missing an opportunity to watch some really good uh, basketball. But... I mean, Nick, that's all I've got. Um, we'll wrap this one up. We will be back uh, next week. 
um, probably on Sunday to go over some basketball stuff. Uh, and then we got to preview some bowls uh, on Wednesday of next week. Um, really, we only have probably one to truly go over, I guess, um, at that point. But we can go over more if we want. But um, we'll talk off pod, Nick, to figure out how we want to do our bowls, if we want to do individual shows for each game and do 15, 20 minutes of time, or if we want to do something different. But um, as always, everyone, thank you for listening. It means just a little bit more, or excuse me, it means just a little bit less in ACC country. And as always, go ACC.